did the lesson for Amber Schmoll's wedding. Uh, so that'll be in Lodge 3. So come, come dance. Um, and then also the ladies of the Mission House are doing a bonfire. And there will be s'mores, first come, first serve. So you're just going to have to pick. Or get a s'more and then run and dance. Okay. what Shannon said or just kind of a fleshing out of what she said but that's appropriate because she taught me everything I know <laughs> and same, oh so that's okay so um, just a little bit of my background story um, when I was a sophomore in college I was in a private Christian school in Tennessee and I was thinking about transferring somewhere else um, I kind of realized how hard it can be to try to be around so many Christians who all have their own ideas about what church should look like. Um, it wasn't as productive as I thought it would be. Um, they all had different ideas about how the mission should be done and what the role of the Holy Spirit should be and on and on about, you know, it was just constant theological <laughs> debates. And I just didn't really have a church home um, at that time. So uh, I kind of felt like I was wasting my college years, um, just trying to get through them so I could move on to the next part of my life. Um, so I've been dating my husband, Jeff, thankfully. I'm married now. Uh, and he, uh, we've been dating since high school, and he went to UK, um, and he'd been telling me about this new church and campus ministry he'd been going to. Um, and I was really captivated by just the strong sense of vision and how effective it could be when everyone was focused on the same goal of the greater group and not just their own individual missions. So he was telling me about people coming to know God and um, then be discipled. And his, he and his friends were opening themselves up to more works of the Spirit, um, which was new for him and me. Um, he was having dinner with families all the time and going out to share the gospel with older men. Um, so based on what he was telling me, it sounded a lot like Acts 2. Um, and I just wanted to be there. Um, and so that's just another encouragement that this is something that we do really well and people are really drawn to it. I was really drawn to it just through kind of what he was telling me. Um, so... I have always been really struck by 1 Corinthians 9. Um, it's the part where Paul talks about being all things to all people um, and becoming a servant to all, or being free from all to become a servant to all. And I just think that's um, a big picture of what women specifically in our body do. And I see that play out um, all the time. Um, so one of the biggest testimonies of life together I have, especially um, just from my younger years, 
um, is just the unlikely friendships that I started forming. Um, so one, call out Rachel, Arthur John, where's she at? Hey. <laughs> um, we'd both been going to TCF for a while, uh, but she'd been around a lot longer than I had been, um, and we were going to be roommates together. First, um, we lived at the Martins for three months, uh, Jessica and Andy, and then at that first Aylesford Discipleship House group. Um, so Rachel is a little bit more introverted than I am, and I'm a little bit sort of extroverted, <laughs> sort of. Um, but she had graduated from school and was working full-time, and I was still a full-time student. So, you know, out in the world, naturally, we probably wouldn't have been ones to spend a lot of time together. Um, but we had to work pretty hard to make time with each other and find common ground. Um, and we ended up having some hard conversations for each of us and learned to be honest about things we observed in the other person. But I think God really honored that, and I think we became really effective teammates, um, as well as really close friends who enjoyed spending time together. Um, and I think our friendship ended up being really welcoming to younger girls and um, helped in discipleship as well. And then another is uh, Bridget Kidwell. She's not here, um, but she's a really awesome lady. Um, she's been taking care of her parents for a long time. She's taken care of her mom a lot. So she has a lot going on, and um, she works at UK. But when I was first started coming around, we were in the same home group, and she asked if we could pray together once a week. Um, and I was a college student. I was just really shocked that she would want to spend her time praying with me every week. She's really gifted in prayer, and I you know, just kind of assumed she might want to do that with somebody else who was really gifted, and they could get a lot of prayer work done together. Um, and I had older women who were, like, giving me advice and wisdom, and, you know, I was in discipleship, and that was really awesome, but not as surprising, because I needed all the wisdom and stuff I could get. But um, she took that time and wanted to come pray with me every week. Um, and she, um, it just really blessed me, and I grew a lot through that time. Um, and it was, like, her gifting, and she was opening that up to me and sharing that with me. Um, and it was, I don't know, like... When you do something like that, it could be a little awkward at first and maybe tedious to do that same thing every single week. But um, when we gave ourselves to it, it really became a delight and spending time with her is really fun for me. We share a birthday, so we can have birthday dates now. <laughs> um, so I really treasure that time with her as well. So um, I just think these sorts of friendships that are like unique and kind of unlikely that we maintain and cultivate and are purposeful about are really huge testimonies to new people who come around um, and their stories that we can tell um, to other people. Um, Chad mentioned in his sermon last week about Matthew and Simon the Zealot, two disciples. Um, they just never would have been friends. Matthew was a tax collector, Simon was a zealot, and they... <laughs> Uh, you know, naturally would be really judgmental of one another, but if it weren't for Jesus, it definitely, um, you know, they wouldn't have been friends. So um, he kind of made the point, like, people were probably asking, what are those two doing together? Um, and it made them question and see, you know, the reconciliation and friendship that um, Jesus can provide for us. Um, so those are just kind of some stories I have. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is calling a hospitality of heart. Um, I think practically in hospitality, that's something I'm still working on and will work 
gone for the rest of my life. Um, but I think God showed me a lot about how important it is to have just a generally welcoming attitude towards one another um, in meetings or just, I don't know, when we're spending time together. Um, and this is something that I've really had to ask the Lord to help refine in me in every new stage of life. And for some reason, having kids is like making it more difficult for me to have normal, like adult conversations. <laughs> um, so it's something that, you know, I'm still working on all the time. Um, but something really simple that somebody told me, maybe it was Amanda or Gilpin, hey. <laughs> another person who taught me a lot, um, is to um, prepare for a meeting by consciously deciding to go into the room with an intention to bless people. Um, and I think, obviously, that's really simple. I'm sure a lot of you do that every time you come to church. Um, but I notice when I don't do this, um, I tend to be thinking about what people are thinking of me. Um, and it is also easy for me to wander into thinking about whether I like the music or how long a sermon is or how uncomfortable or awkward a certain interaction I have was. Um, but all these reactions are really self-oriented and they're more about how things are hitting me and not how God used me at that time. So I just have found a lot of freedom in making it my goal to be one another focused, especially during those times, because they're really precious times that we get to be together. So um, things that have come out of that are like, I don't really question anymore whether it's my place or if I should be the one to go talk to a new person um, or invite myself to sit down by somebody who's sitting alone. It's just kind of part of my job as a member of the body to share the warmth of our community with them. Um, and I think that we're really good at this. It's obviously really hard for our pastors and leaders to like calm us down <laughs> so we can start meetings. Um, but you know, I think we're, we strive at that, but that's something God's really um, put on my heart. And then I find that I don't have any feelings of being left out or like snuffed by someone. Those thoughts don't really come to my mind anymore when I'm more focused on my job, where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and I also tried to learn not to use meeting times just to shoot the breeze with my closest friends. Um, which isn't always practical because it happens and when you're sharing life really closely with your closest friends, you're obviously gonna need to like make plans and update and whatever, but they're usually the ones that are a text or a phone call away outside of a meeting. Um, but when I do find myself talking with a close friend, I think it can be a good opportunity to welcome somebody into our friendship. Um, and I think our strong friendships are part of the gift and blessing of living life together. Um, they're not just for our own edification, and um, it just, like Shannon said last night, it reminds me of the Trinity. Like, whenever I think of somebody, two people who I really admire and have a great friendship and they kind of invite me to, you know, like, talk with them or whatever, it just feels really good. And I think, um, you know, that's the Trinity. They're having this eternal, awesome relationship and conversation, and we've been invited into that. So it's just kind of an outward expression of that when we do that um, with our close friends. Um, and then just some, like, practical ways I have tried to be more conscious, especially in meetings, are like opening up body language to include others in my talking circle, um, not to just like have close whispering conversations. Um, try not to talk about things only me and my friend can relate to, or um, taking a friend physically over to greet someone else or asking them if they know somebody well. Like, hey, can you introduce me to that person? Or can we go, can you help me talk to that person over there? So um, I kind of like 
like to keep like a Rolodex in my head of things I know about people um, or things I know about your home group or church or whatever. Because um, like we're doing tonight, testimonies are just really strong um, ways we can encourage each other. Um, so I find myself telling people other people's stories all the time to uh, you know show what God has done within our church. Um, and it's also just a great, helpful way to make connections for other people, like, um, and it helps in discipleship too, not to create clones, kind of like Shannon was talking about, um, you know, this disciple is exactly like this disciple kind of thing. But like, you know, if I know you need help, you're not great at organizing your house, like me. Uh, I know somebody who's really good at that, I'm not great at that, but I know somebody who's good at that. Or, um, you know, you wanna learn how to pray with others better, I'll take you over here to somebody who's really great at that. Um, so it's just kind of keeping those things in the back of my mind. Um, and then another point is something about living life together that God's really moved on me is um, in our peacemaking and conflict resolution um, and just um, how we bear through relationships with each other. Um, so something new to me about coming around here was the emphasis on vulnerability and honesty and trust. And I thought it was really biblical. It's obviously all over the Bible, but it's really hard to put it into practice. Into practice. So most churches just kind of maybe glaze over it. Um, but I realized there was a call on my life to love my friends by living in this open way. Not letting bitterness build up from small annoyances and loving my friend enough to point out maybe harmful habits um, in a really loving way, obviously. So I've had to check my own heart a couple times and make sure that the only reason I want to bring something up to a friend is because I truly want that friend to be more like Christ and not because I'm personally hurt or annoyed. Um, if I find myself on edge or building a case against someone, there's usually a red flag that I'm in it for a personal reason. Because um, people are going to hurt and annoy me or... Um, there have been many times that uh, I've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit to not get hurt or angered or to repent and forgive afterwards. So um, I've just tried to really believe that I'm secure and my fate is sealed and our relationships are really sacred. And then I think things can kind of roll off my back more easily when it comes to um, those sorts of things. So um, God really put in my heart this desire to have these constructive and deep relationships where I truly want to hear ways that I'm not living fully in the grace available to me. And um, kind of the trial by fire of that is living in a discipleship house. Um, back to how I'm not great at cleaning. Um, one example from the time in a discipleship house, this is just a practical thing. But we all agreed to live this way. So this is not... You know, this was not a burden, but it was something new to me to think about cleaning as a blessing to my roommates and as a way we could easily bring people into our house if our house is already clean. <laughs> um, so when people lovingly pointed out to me that there's actually a heart um, for God behind, you know, putting in that effort, um, it, you know, it takes effort to not be hurt by that. Like, hey, you're not really sticking to the cleaning schedule. You're not... You know, but to receive that with um, thankfulness that, oh, like, they loved me enough to point that out and, um, you know, help me. Can you help me do better about that? So um, we worked really hard on having that sort of open communication in discipleships. 
in discipleship houses. Um, and I just feel like it was so beautiful because I hoped my roommates could speak openly to me without worrying about my feelings. And I could receive because I knew that they deeply loved me and cared about my maturity. Um, and not just because we said it, but because we showed a lot of affection for each other intentionally. Um, and then lovingly and with great care, I could assume the same about them, that they welcomed this sort of communication and knew that I deeply cared about them. Um, and it, one verse um, that makes me think of is in Proverbs 25, 12, and 13, that a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver, like a gold ring or an ornament of gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear. So discipleship houses are, could, were, are intense, but I love how it's just like a small microcosm of um, what this greater community is, and when we really get into it, how it's just like bees to flowers, like it draws people in. Um, so that's me. I am Kate Flannery. Um, I go to ECF. Uh, I've been a part of the churches, I think, 18 years. Um, and so I found the churches when I was in college. And um, it's just really sweet to get to talk about this because it was because of life together that um, I think I'm following God. Um, I also went to a small Christian school, and there was a lot of people living Christianity um, in a lot of different ways, and I was pretty nominal. Um, and I think it was through life together um, that I witnessed in this body that I saw the reality of Jesus and what he wanted um, from our lives. So it's just really sweet to get to talk about it. Um, so the context that I'm talking about is home group. Um, and sort of, I had a hard time talking about home group but not also talking about friendship. Um, because I think ideally they should go hand in hand. Um, so I wanted to talk about a couple, I'm sort of a big picture person, I want to talk about a couple big picture and practical things first and then give a testimony um, about how um, I was specifically ministered to through home group. Um, when I think of home group, I think of it as like the nucleus of life together, like it is the core uh, in our churches, how they're structured in, uh, from which life together flows. Uh, you know, when I think about all the topics from life together, there's hospitality and outreach and discipleship and fill in the blank. Um, and all of that exists within a home fellowship and should really be like ground zero um, for all of those things. Um, so when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about how, you know, when I think about my day or when I think about my week, I think that's also the lens through which I view all those things. I think about when I think about when I'm going to do school with my kids, I think, I think about when people are free in my home fellowship to hang out or if there's a need that I can fulfill. And so maybe that's doing school first thing in the morning or maybe it's later in the afternoon. But I think just like subconsciously now it's become sort of my thought about um, how we're going to structure our week, how I'm going to structure my day based on the needs of the people I'm walking with. And it's not a labor. It's sort of just become like, these are the people I'm with, and it's not my time. It's our time. Um, so it's really sweet to get to think about things um, that way. Um, 
And a little background with the home group that I'm in. We split from um, the Sweeney Home Fellowship we, about just about a year ago. So uh, in our group, we've been, spent the last year kind of like building team together. So a lot of our time together has been that sort of thing. And it's been really sweet because it really is like all-encompassing in the very best way. Um, when we think about vacations, our home group is the first place we think about. And so we got to go on vacation with the Sextons this year who are part of our home group. And that's a really sweet memory. It was a really sweet way to get to build together. And that's a really sweet memory for our kids and being together. Um, my daughter is in ballet and my son is in t-ball. And they're doing both of those things with other people from our home group. Um, and a cool thing about uh, Life Together, too, and this isn't directly through home group, but I think just the product of sometimes being in a small community and living really closely with each other is you end up with a lot of the same stuff. Uh, my husband always jokes about how I have the same pair of shoes as, like, four of my other friends. And, you know, you find something that's really awesome and you tell somebody else about it. So a lot of my friends and I have the same pediatrician. Um, and uh, it's really sweet. She's not a Christian. She's awesome. She's not a Christian. Um, and she's going to come to our kids' t-ball games because she loves our kids. And it's just a really neat way to reach out to her. And I just think that's cool because I think there's a lot of areas like that. A lot of us have the same dentist or whoever. And so they get the opportunity to see just a tiny picture of our life together. So that's a little bit broader than home group. Um, but I think that's really sweet. Um, our home group has um, my mom, my husband's parents, and then a bunch of people with a bunch of kids uh, from teenage on down to babies. Um, and then Catherine Taylor is also a part of our home group. So we really do have like kind of every walk of life. Um, so within that, there's this opportunity for, when I think about hospitality, a lot of that is making meals for all the babies being born or for people with sick kids or for aging parents who have been in the hospital or cleaning their house. Um, and I think about, when I think about outreach, that's always my first, like, who did I meet and who can I um, partner with in home group? Or Kristen and I have, our sons are on a t-ball team together. What moms are there that we can reach out to? Um, and it's just really sweet to get to do it together. That we're not laboring alone. Um, let's see. Uh, I remember, I don't know, sometime in the last couple years, um, Kelly was saying uh, that a lot of times in your home group, you don't, you don't end up there with a lot of your best friends, um, which is true because inevitably home groups split and then you don't. But um, I totally agree with that. But I also think um, that if that's your full mentality, you sell short the work that God wants to do. Because uh, I can't. I can't say how many times I've joined a home group with new people who then three years later are some of my very closest friends. Um, so I would just, I'm going to give an example of that in a minute that I will inevitably cry about. Um, but just don't, don't sell short the work that God wants to do um, in relationships. Um, and I think the ones where you're most different end up being the most sweet because um, you have really sweet testimonies of how um, God has moved in those relationships. And I think home groups are so cool because they're usually like multi-generational. And I think that speaks so loudly of the character of God. There's a lot of diversity in a home group. Um, and I think that's a really sweet testimony just to who God is. Um, so 
The example I wanted to give was um, when I was early 20s. Um, I had done a CTS and came out of it, and there had sort of been a home group shuffle. And the home group I ended up in, I was with my parents, and I don't remember all the people in it, but I was with the Pitterds, who I didn't know that well um, at that point. And, like, none of my friends were in it. I don't even think at that point there was anybody else my age in it. Um, So I wasn't, like, super excited about it. Um, But it's a really sweet testimony, um, just how good God is. Um, So I went through a lot. And I think I was in that home group probably five years or so. Um, And when I joined it, I was just a single person who really needed to be discipled. Um, And I, in walking specifically, I was able to build with Kent and Melissa. They were really faithful um, in how they walked with me. There were a lot of immaturity. um, I'm pretty strong-willed and high-strung, and so they had to bear with me a lot. Um, And then... uh, like a year or so later, my dad got sick, um, and he passed away, and they walked with us through that, um, and it was really sweet how in the day-to-day, um, they cared for my mom, and they cared for me, um, and then a couple years later, my mom got sick, <laughs> and they walked with me through that, and they walked with her, um, and when I think about it, I started um, dating Ben, my husband, um, and they walked with me through courtship. Um, and, fig- and then in the early days of being a wife, and I didn't know how to be a wife. Um, and so they took a lot of phone calls with, helped me figure out how to love my husband. And then I had kids, and they helped me love my kids and figure out how to be a mom. And so I just think about, like, all of that was just through a home fellowship. Um, but it really speaks to the life of Jesus when Billy last night was talking about one of the purposes of home group was to be a picture of the house of God, and that's really what it was to me. It was a picture of God's house. Um, And uh, it really was a deep source of joy, and a time where joy was really, at times, difficult to find. Um, And so I wanted to give, like, an encouragement to, to, I think sometimes we can get caught up, Shannon was kind of cautioning against this in the work, um, and miss the whole point, and miss the connection to the vine. Um, to just not grow weary in well-doing because it really, the impact of home fellowship, it's not just like a meeting that we have every week. Um, but, and it's not just like the different types of things we can do to have life together, but it's really an eternal thing that ministers Jesus to people in a very real way. Um, and I can think of like, I think I am a Christian because of it. And I think I have a family um, that really loves God because of it. And so I'm just really um, thankful and when I think about um, the time that we live in, um, I think it's a time where like isolation is just like at a peak. And what a sweet testimony of the reality of Jesus we have and being able to live life together uh, in a way where Jesus is really tangible. Um, so just not to lose heart and to press into the things and um, don't lose the joy that God has in it. to talk about servanthood tonight. Um, I have the privilege of growing up in this church, so I just wanted to share with you all 
Um, just kind of about, about my journey um, in servanthood and learning how to do it. Um, so for me, learning this began in the home with my parents. Um, and I love the word that Shannon used this morning of cultivate, because I think um, that is exactly what my parents did with me. Um, they didn't teach me to do the right things, but at a very young age, they helped me cultivate a... <laughs> Sorry. Thank I'll you. let you go later. Is this better? Um, but at a very young age, they helped me cultivate a relationship with the Lord. Um, this is something I think that my parents did extremely well. My siblings and I were never pressured into a relationship with God or even to go to church. Um, but what they did is they taught us the Bible. Um, and as we saw their relationships um, with the Lord that they had themselves, um, we were able to develop a relationship with God on our own. Um, and for, uh, as our love for the Lord grew, our love for um, other people grew, and our love for the church grew. Um, and it's from this love for others that um, we learn to serve others. Sorry, I'm really nervous. <laughs> um, so um, growing up uh, with my dad being a pastor, we had people in the home all the time. We had meetings and parties and um, just dinners. Um, so at a young age, um, it became a part of my responsibility um, to help them do these things. Um, I often was in charge of taking care of the kids during the home group and everything. Um, my first memories is doing this with Audrey and Maggie, with Chad and Shannon. Um, and then, uh, and of course, helping with meals, setting the table, getting people drinks, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then as I got older, I was given more responsibility in these areas, and I started doing it with my friends. Um, I remember on Friday nights when we were probably in like fifth and sixth grade, it was me and Grace and Laura and Stephanie. We had a Bible study called Beautiful Girlhood. Um, so we'd have Bible studies, but then we would also have nights where we would um, serve the church. And um, this is when we started doing date nights for the parents. So we'd open up the church, all the parents would drop their kids off. Um, and we'd watch them while they, you know, went shopping or went to dinner. Um, and then uh, at co-op, all the older kids helped take care of the younger kids. Um, we all started um, in the nursery rotation at very young ages. <laughs> as soon as we um, started being in the sermon, Shane put us on the, <laughs> on the rotation. <laughs> as soon as we were old enough. <laughs> um, and I remember having church cleaning days um, when we were at Tatesbrook. Um, all the moms and kids would go to the church, and we'd all bring our cleaning products, and we'd clean the church together. Um, and we, of course, had chores at Co-op and Marseille. I think everyone still does that. Um, and then I remember a lot of summers I spent cooking for CTSs. Um, I remember uh, it's really how I got to know a lot of people in the church, too. Like I remember getting to know Emily and Kate through those so these um, early years were training ground for me to enter into my adult years. Um, doing these things really made me aware of others and their needs. Um, it taught me to work with others, and it connected me to a larger sphere of people, um, seeing the needs in the church. And um, doing this, I got to interact with other adults other than, uh, than my parents, and they got to see how I did things, and they were able to speak into my life as well. Um, and. I don't think this, my life was not unique. Um, it's 
how all the kids in uh, the church at that time lived. Um, and I know that you guys are doing this now with your children. Um, I know the ECF youth group cleans the church every week. And Cassie was telling me that they have like 18 children in their home group and all of her kids take care of them. Um, and I also got to be a part of the Marshall Banquet this year and I was so impressed by all the kids and how um, they did the service and they just really served and loved their parents. And I was very impressed by how they all did that. So then once I graduated high school, I began um, to serve in different areas of the church. Um, and three things that came to mind were um, home group, CTS, and then I also lived in the discipleship house that Emily was talking about. Um, so within my home group, uh, I think home group is just a, such a great way. It's like a very good avenue for service. Um, even just bringing a snack every week. It's great for college students to learn how to serve through that. Um, and when I was in college, I was in home group with Matt and Andrea. I'm still with them. It's been 11 years. <laughs> um, but uh, during that time, they moved, I think, three or four different times on the same street. So I remember our home group would all go down there, and we'd all just like walk their stuff up and down the street. <laughs> And they were all fixer-uppers, so we'd go and we'd paint. I remember just, like, chipping away at paint for hours with um, Grace and Lee Beth and everyone else in our home group. Um, and then, of course, there were all kinds of needs in the church of people having babies and moving, and there's just all kinds of stuff within your home group that you can do. Um, then I also did CTS during college. Um, and you kind of think of CTS as a place where you go and you have teachings and you study the Bible, but it's a great way to... Um, give a summer to the church. We did a lot of service projects when I was in CTS. The JCF building was new at that time, so we did a lot of cleaning, a lot of painting. Um, and then it's also the year that we got Aylesford in um, the discipleship house, and it was a complete mess when we bought it. Stephen had to completely renovate it, and every afternoon we'd all pile in our cars from CTS and drive over there, and we'd again chip away at paint. <laughs> Um, we'd paint and clean, and we'd help Stephen um, do that. Um, and then my second year of college, I moved into the discipleship house. Um, and a big vision of our discipleship houses are to be a support to UCF. So there's plenty of opportunities to um, serve UCF. Um, we hosted meetings. We hosted all the cookouts um, and dinners throughout the year. Um, we often we had a guest room for some of the time. Um, and we'd host girls who needed a place to stay. Um, we also hosted um, fundraisers for our church in Ayutla. Um, we also continued to do those kid, kids' nights um, where we'd host all the kids and the parents would go off and do uh, date nights or shopping. Um, we also tried to find ways to serve our neighbors. Um, we had a neighbor, Suzanne, who lived up the street. She was an older woman, so we would you know, take care of her cats when she was out of town and um, go shopping with her and do all kinds of crazy things with her. <laughs> I can share more stories about that later. Um, and then also, if you're in a discipleship house, I think everyone just knows that you're young and you're single and you have time, so people just call you. I think as soon as you're in a discipleship house, I'm pretty sure my dad and Bill Hughes just Put you on speed dial. <laughs> I always knew if I got a call from them, I'd probably be planning a party within like two hours. <laughs> um, and I'm also somebody that tends to towards creating my own comfortable space. Um, but through doing CTS and living at Aylesford, 
Um, I really learned to die to myself and love and serve others. I really liked what Dad said uh, last night. He said, uh, people who serve everyone serve no one. So it's really when you give yourself to a specific group of people that you learn to die to yourself. Because with CTS, you never know who you're going to be living with. In a discipleship, you never, or a discipleship house, you never know who you're going to be living with. Um, and the Lord can really um, teach you to love and serve people you wouldn't normally be around or lean towards. Um, so I really want to encourage the young girls in the room tonight to, um, if you're in high school or in college, um, CTS and discipleship houses are just a really great way to give yourself to others and to the church. Um, so I highly recommend it. Um, and then I have noticed how our service um, to others becomes a witness to um, non-believers. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think about this is Susanna was a chef um, before she started having children, and she worked at a catering company, and she hired a few um, friends, and I started working there, um, and pretty soon she had just hired a ton of us, and um, it was a great witness to that place because people really saw how kind we were to one another and um, how hardworking we were. Um, they ended up calling all of our friends the Hendies, and they'd always say, hey, can you hire some more Hendies? We need some more of <laughs> them. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I um, started working at another catering company, and um, I did the same thing there. And it, again, it was such a great witness. I think at one point I had all four Kurosics working with me. <laughs> and they kept saying, are there any more Kurosics? Can you find me any more Kurosics? I was like, I think Sarah's done, but... <laughs> So I think our church has made a very big impact on our community with the way that we serve others. Um, and I'm just very thankful to have grown up in this community. I'm thankful for my parents for trading me at a young age. Um, and I'm thankful for all the people in this room who have walked with me and been patient with me. Um, I've given service to the church, but I have received way more service and love um, from the church than I have given. Um, so I'm just thankful for everyone in this room. Um, and I know that you guys are doing a lot of these things, um, but I just hope that this encourages you, especially you moms who are bringing your children up in this church. Um, I'm just so blessed to have been able to do that, so I'm so glad that you guys are able to do that. Um, I am talking about the area of living life together that is education. Um, I know that uh, many of you have gone before me. I feel a little underqualified in talking about this, but I'm going to do my best. Um, I have five kids, and uh, our oldest is 12, and so he'll be starting Mars Hill this fall. Um, and our youngest is two, so we have the spread of um, elementary ages. Um, so education, as I was thinking about it, is really a form of discipleship. Um, it's helping kids mature and uh, be formed in the image of Jesus. And so they need to understand our world. There's a lot for them to learn. Um, and so as I was thinking about it, 
it struck me how many similarities it had to discipling people. Um, so just like in discipling a new believer, um, it's really healthy to have others involved in the process. So um, I think if my kids only ever had me uh, teaching them and uh, knowing what was going on with them, uh, I don't know how well that would turn out. <laughs> um, they would get some good, and then I think that they would be deficient in some ways. And so I'm really thankful that uh, we've had the opportunity to not just be like a little isolated homeschool family, um, but that we have had the opportunity to have so many people um, who love our kids be involved um, with their education. Um, so I was thinking about ways that uh, we can walk together um, in education. Uh, some people like to get together to do school. Um, I have to admit that is not my favorite way because my kids would never do their school if there were friends over. <laughs> but some people like that. Um, also, uh, I have really appreciated being able to walk together with other people um, around school. So uh, talking about it with people you're walking with. So if, you're, if you have a kid who is having an issue in some way or uh, either an academic challenge or more of a don't want to do their school challenge, um, <laughs> being able to talk through that with other people who are going through that as well, or either even just people who know your kids, um, is really helpful. Um, thinking of helping you kind of see through, um, giving you wisdom and insight on what that could uh, be and how to walk through that. Um, but I would say that the biggest help for me personally um, in walking together uh, around education is co-op. Um, it's really been huge in helping me uh, and our kids not be isolated in what we're doing. Um, so I don't, I don't, I know some of you probably don't know what co-op is. Some of you know very well what co-op is, but, uh, so it meets one day a week and we get together. Uh, I'm in the LCF ECF co-op and there's also a TCF co-op that I have not been to, but, uh, the LCF ECF co-op meets out at JCF in that building, and uh, this, we've met for the seven years that I've been involved. We've met on Tuesdays. We're about to switch that, but um, so we meet one one day a week, and we get together, and uh, we do we teach subjects that are harder to get to at home. You know, art, music, science, uh, history, those things where it's nice to be able to go in depth with. Um, all together rather than having to uh, do all of that all, to, all at your home. So um, it's been helpful, uh, I think, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And some of those are educational. I think it gives other eyes on your kids so they can, other people can see, um, hey, I noticed that the rest of the class is doing this and your kid, uh, your kid, that sounds kind of weird, your kid, <laughs> your child uh, doesn't 
doesn't seem to be able to keep up or you know it starts conversations that you might not get to see at home it can also be uh, behavioral uh, but either way uh, I think it's just really healthy to have other eyes on your kids when you're homeschooling um, and then we have lunch together the moms sit together at lunch and then the kids sit together so we're able to talk through things together um, which is really helpful um, there was, I'm trying to think of an example, but recently there was, a, uh, in a class I was teaching, there were some girls who were being kind of unkind to another girl and excluding her. And, um, but it was like such a, a breath of fresh air to be able to deal with that, I guess, because we were able to, so I mentioned to the moms, like, right after that, what I had seen, and they're like, oh, they're doing that again, like, it had already been a thing that they knew about and had tried to, de- to deal with, but it made it really, um, I just felt like it was healthy, like, we were able to talk about it, I knew what to do going back to teach that class the next time, like, I knew how I was to deal with it, and they were going to deal with it on their end, and it just seemed like such a good thing, like, I think that if that were happening somewhere else, it would just keep going and it wouldn't get dealt with. And so I was so um, blessed to be a part of that, uh, just in on that. Uh, so I was trying to think about um, more testimonies about co-op and I was really wrestling with this and I couldn't think of like, like I felt like other people had these like really amazing stories about how some mom pointed out something about their kid that they'd never seen before and it like let them know they needed to get extra help in a certain way and it just really changed their lives. And I don't personally have one of those. <laughs> but my testimony about co-op, I realized as I was sitting over there about to walk up here, is me. <laughs> it is not my kids. And um, so when I started coming to co-op, um, I was, I was pretty excited about it. It seemed like a really good thing. And I think I realized pretty quickly that um, it was really hard for me. Um, not being there, but getting there. And <laughs> you know, um, just getting all your little kids packed up and preparing for the classes you were teaching and um, packing all the lunches, you know, getting all the stuff ready the night before and then trying to get everybody moving in the morning. You know, it was, um, for like a relaxed homeschool family, it was a bit of a push, and also just my personality, <laughs> uh, trying to be on time. And So I, I kind of just dreaded going for a long time. Like, I knew that it was really good for my kids, and I knew it was a good thing for a family to do. So there wasn't like, I wasn't trying to get out of it, but it still was like, oh no, Tuesday's coming. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I'm not going to say it's gotten marginally easier to get ready as I've done it so many years. <laughs> like, I know what to do now, but I'm not going to say that made it easy. Um, but the thing that I think has changed is my heart. Um, as I've seen that that is where, and I'm embarrassed to admit that it took me way too long to get there. (laughs) That maybe, um, I don't know, I keep telling people that this is like our best year yet. And they're like, really? But I think it might just be me that my heart finally changed. (laughs) Um, 
So I don't know. It's become a real joy to be there. And the prep is never easy, but um, it's getting better as I get better at it. Um, So I think, though, that the deep thing that I learned was that when you choose to give yourself to something intentionally, um, to be together on purpose, um, that it pushes you in deep ways, that there's a cost in one way or another. Um, And when you choose to do it anyway and say that it's worth the cost, then you reap a rich reward. Um, And I've seen uh, just really good things in my kids because we go to co-op. They love, they love it. And uh, I've seen maturing happen, and uh, I've I've seen my relationships with the other moms deepen, um, and I've seen some maturing happen in me because I chose to do it, I guess. So um, I think that I'm sure my kids have changed a lot, but I also know that the big deep one that I'm aware of is me. Um, I was trying to, I know it sounds so silly, like, is it really that hard to get out of the house? But (laughs) to me, I explained it to someone recently, is like, it's like going to the zoo every week. Like, it's really good, and it's fun, but you get a little tired of, like, putting in all that prep and packing up your whole house for the whole day so your whole family can be there, like, even the babies and everything. So, um... Yeah, so I <laughs> just want to explain it that way before anybody without kids thought that I was just inept. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, let's see. And I think there are probably 10 more ways that um, you can walk together with people in the body as you. Um, educate your kids. Uh, These are the ones that I have thought of and that are specific to me. Um, But I'm just really thankful for uh, the culture in our church that allows us to do that together. I think it's really unique. Um, And uh, I was also thinking about like my first kind of, when I first got interested in homeschooling, I was in college and I knew like all these families are doing this. What is this? I've never, you know, I, I had no exposure to it. So I remember Catherine John invited me over, and I got to watch her teaching Ping how to read when she was little. <laughs> and it was my first little picture of that. So I was just really thankful for that. Um, I guess that's another way we can do that together, is inviting others in who may not be in that stage, but want to be with you in it. So... I think that's all I have. I, I know there's other ways to do it, but that's that's what I know. I know that not everybody does co-op, but uh, it's been very rich, and um, I'm thankful for the ladies who have gone before us and shown us how to do that. ladies. I really appreciate you. I really wanted to just hear um, from each of them as we were talking about this topic and planning. Um, So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. 
I was, I was really blessed. And I just, I think um, we have such a treasure in each other. We are that great treasure in the field because each life, I could really sit here for a long time and listen to each of you talk about your life and what God has done. It really blesses me. So thank you all for being here. And um, let's see, in the morning, we're gonna, tonight we're gonna all sleep in Jesus' name. Sleep. <laughs> um, please, Lord. And uh, get some rest. And in the morning, we'll have breakfast at 8.30. And then we're gonna have a special testimony from my friend Elizabeth Williams. And that's, I'm really looking forward to that. And then we're gonna just have a time of praying for one another. And if you, this, I know this is the first time for several of you, I think I counted 13 or so new people here. Um, I want to encourage you that this is, God is so good to us and he's really answering prayers over the years. You should ask somebody if you're new, ask somebody to tell you some of the testimonies of answered prayers over these last few years, especially how God's been faithful. So I want you to think tonight about, pray tonight as you're going to sleep. God, what do I, what can I ask for of you? Because he wants to answer your prayer. I believe he will. And I told the TCF group, ask big, don't ask little. Ask the Lord for what you need. And um, I believe he's going to answer. So have something on your heart and come expectant. Um, because he loves us and he's here to meet our needs and bless us as we give ourselves to his work and our common purpose. So I'll pray for us. And then there, I, I know that, does anybody need a reminder about the fun stuff following this meeting? <laughs> it's uh, Lodge 3 for learning how to do the line dance. And it's the mission house for eating s'mores. So, okay. All right. Anybody else? Does, is there something on anybody's heart they just really need to share right now? Any? Anybody got something on their heart? The Lord's. Did I see a hand? Okay. I'll just pray for us and let you go. Bless you, Lord. Father, once again, you have been so faithful to us. Your love just um, amazes me. You answer our prayers. You take care of us in so many ways. And um, right now, I do want to lift up all our family back at home, all of the children, the husbands. Um, I know many are struggling with sickness. And, uh, Father, I ask you to be, be with them and heal them and touch them, God. Um, take care of them while we're here. And... Even here tonight, I pray for all of us here tonight that you would protect us from sickness and keep us well and strong to do your work. Father, help us to ask in faith, believing, knowing that you answer when we pray according to your will. I pray that over the evening tonight, going into tomorrow morning, our faith would grow by leaps and bounds and we would ask and see the hand of God move in our lives. For the, on behalf of those we love, in our own hearts and minds. Um, so, Father, I just uh, ask that of you. And, Lord, I do pray for sleep for all my friends, that we would rest, and um, just that we would rest in you, and that we would physically rest as well. In Jesus' name, amen.